Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Dr. Gina Primetime. I'm Karen Turk, sitting in for Dr. Gina tonight. We're coming to the end of what truly has been an unfortunate week in our nation. With less than two weeks until the inauguration, with Joe Biden certified as the president-elect, the Electoral College votes leave us with so many unanswered questions. And the breach of our capital executed by thugs who do not seem to represent the majority of moderate Americans in any political party adds to the chaos. The Capitol riots seem to be just another example of mainstream media blame game targeting the president. We watched all summer as cities burned at the hands of BLM and Antifa, and the media called them mostly peaceful protests. But this week's events at the Capitol are being blamed solely on President Trump. The hypocrisy runs rampant as the media and these folks seem to treat all of us as if we have the memory of goldfish. The double standard of how they treated the BLM protests defies logic. During the height of the Black Lives Matter riots last year, of course the media was silent as Kamala Harris egged on the violent mobs. Remember this? Watch this. I know that there are protests still happening in yeah. major cities across the United States. I'm just not seeing the reporting on it that I that right, I had that's right. for the first few weeks. That's um, right. But they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's they're not. This is a movement. I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. And and everyone beware because they're not going to stop. It is going to. They're not going to stop before election day in November, and they're not going to stop after election day. And that should be. Everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not gonna let up and they should not, and we should not. Clearly we have a president that's denouncing the violence, but the mainstream media is still circulating a narrative that he's somehow the perpetrator of this awful day that will remain a part of American history. Here's what the president had to say. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence, lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Guard and federal law enforcement to secure the building and expel the intruders. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engage in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. We have just been through an intense election, and emotions are high. But now, tempers must be cooled and calm restored. We must get on with the business of America. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy. I continue to strongly believe that we must reform our election laws 
to verify the identity and eligibility of all voters and to ensure faith and confidence in all future elections. Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. This moment calls for healing and reconciliation. 2020 has been a challenging time for our people. A menacing pandemic has upended the lives of our citizens, isolated millions in their homes, damaged our economy, and claimed countless lives. Defeating this pandemic and rebuilding the greatest economy on Earth will require all of us working together. It will require a renewed emphasis on the civic values of patriotism, faith, charity, community, and family. We must revitalize the sacred bonds of love and loyalty that bind us together as one national family. To the citizens of our country, serving as your President has been the honor of my lifetime. And to all of my wonderful supporters, I know you are disappointed, but I also want you to know that our incredible journey is only just beginning. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. The President's been a supporter of law enforcement, has preached law and order for his entire presidency. His legacy should not be erased by an incident that still bears so many questions. Last night, Dr. Gina caught up with Bernard Carrick at the breach of, about the breach of the Capitol and the lack of police presence. Let's watch that. Several social media accounts have shared videos of the events at the Capitol yesterday, and it looks like some Capitol Police officers were somehow possibly assisting people who were trying to get into the U.S. Capitol building. Here to discuss, retired New York City Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick. Commissioner, good to have you here. Uh, what do you make of these videos? Because I... I there, there are so many videos flying around out there, uh, you know, and we're seeing all kinds of things. And this one in particular, we see this police officer sort of waving his arms like, hey, come on in. What, what's going on here? Oh, I think uh, that's going to be a part of the investigation for the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. But, uh, you know, there, there's, two, there's two areas of focus. You know, somebody stormed the Capitol. Um, and the area, the other area is going to be that the police um, allowed people to come through the barricades to enter into the into the building. And you're showing two. I think there's actually three spots around the building that police officers, Capitol police officers, that were on duty there, opened up the barricades and waved people in. I don't know what their intent was. I don't know what was behind this. Um, but given the amount of violence, uh, the things that happen on the inside of the building, I think this is going to be a major part of the investigation conducted by the FBI and the U.S. Attorney. Should there be much more of a line of defense inside the U.S. Capitol? It didn't look like that many people made it inside the building, but it looks like they had the run of the House floor. And it also looks like the Capitol Police abandoned the building at some point and just sort of gave them free reign to roam around. People were taking selfies at the Speaker's podium, wandering around Statuary Hall. How did this happen? Well, I, I think it's a lack of, uh, of leadership. I think it was a lack of preparation. Um, I have no idea what the police were thinking that let these people in the building. 
Um, and then you have antagonists. You have anarchists that got into the building um, that were extremely violent. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's premature to say. I think, you know, at this point, uh, everybody that's looking at this stuff is pretty much speculating. But given what I've gone through in my career, I can tell you that they were not prepared um, and what they were doing, letting these people in the building, uh, outside, opening up the barricades, is beyond me. And, and I think that's going to be a part of the investigation for the U.S. attorney. Moving on, you know, just asking you, you know, we, we hear about investigations when there's violence, but we saw violence all over the place, um, you know, before this from the left. And yet we very rarely hear anything about any convictions or even even few arrests, really. Um, I, for some reason, I believe you <laughs> that there will be an investigation of this. Um, and I believe that if Trump people were involved, um, that probably there will be some arrests and we'll hear a lot about those. Um, but I doubt if, if, if it turns out that um, these were instigated by some sort of pre-planned organization other than Trump supporters, I don't know if we'll hear a lot about it. Why is it that so many of these investigations seem to just fade away? We never hear anything about it. No one is ever held responsible. Well, look, I think the thing that bothers me the most is back in May and June of last year, when Antifa and Black Lives Matter were burning down cities around the country, including Washington, D.C., where it looked like it was engulfed in total flames. Um, and nobody was uh, nobody was challenged. The police were almost invisible. Um, they weren't out there in full force. Um, it was a completely different environment. And last night, yesterday, we saw a completely different element, especially in the evening. There was a 6 o'clock curfew last night, 6 p.m., unlike any other time when they're burning down the city. And there were wow. cops outside, hundreds of cops, basically yeah. taunting and, and harassing Trump supporters. You know, oh, they were we standing around smoking a cigarette yeah. outside a hotel. Yeah. Well, Commissioner, thank you so much for being here. Clips are hard to watch. And now the media and the Democrats are pushing either impeachment or the 25th Amendment option, which brings me around to our America segment. Now we go to Carrie Sheffield, who's in Washington, D.C., with a report on the 25th Amendment. Go ahead, Carrie. I want to give you an update on the latest on this arguments, these debates about the 25th Amendment. So reportedly, Nancy Pelosi yesterday said that she wants the House to seek impeachment if Vice President Pence does not invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump. Now, the 25th Amendment was passed after the death of JFK to have an orderly transition if the president is incapacitated. And what it means is that a majority of the cabinet instigated with the vice president leading would need to say they want the president to be removed. And if the president objects, they would need to then have two-thirds votes in Congress to remove a president here, in this case, in the next two weeks. Seems like a very unlikely scenario. And in fact, the members of the cabinet themselves do not appear to want to do this. I spoke to a member of the cabinet myself directly yesterday, and this cabinet member said, we are not doing it. They said that the only motivation at this point would be a partisan political motivation to invoke the 25th Amendment. And this person also said it's off the table because it's used for a specific purpose. It's not used because you don't like somebody. It's used because they're incompetent or if they are mentally 
mentally incapacitated, not just because you don't like them. So they don't want this here among the cabinet. The likelihood also of impeachment with removal is very, very slim. And in fact, reportedly, Joe Biden doesn't want this because he doesn't want to start with a big mess hanging over his administration. Of course, we'll keep you posted. Now back to you. Thanks, Carrie. Now we go over to Jessica Rivera in Denver. Jessica, what do you have for us? Well, Karen, earlier today, I actually spoke with attorney and constitutional expert Rick Green about the legalities of the 25th Amendment. And here's what he had to say. This is all about continuity of government. It was never intended to be used over a day. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Disagreement on, on policy in Section 3 allows the president himself to invoke the 25th, and that's been done three times by uh, Reagan the first time and, and George W. Bush twice simply for two-hour surgeries. The Section 4 that you're referring to is, is when the vice president initiates this and the cabinet, half the cabinet has to agree, uh, and it's for when the president's literally incapable of doing the job. You, you would imagine, you know, literally has been either kidnapped or they are, are, are in surgery as a result of an accident. Um, or had some sort of in incapacitation, either mentally or, or physically. And even if the vice president and the cabinet does that, if the president disagrees with them, he can immediately send a letter uh, and to Congress and say, I'm not incapacitated, I can do the job. And then they would have to once again send a letter, then they would have to say to the Congress, we continue to disagree with him. And then Congress would have to vote two thirds uh, to side with the vice president and the cabinet on this. So it's a, it's a crazy high bar. Um, it's much harder even than impeachment. And of course, it starts with the vice president. I cannot imagine Vice President Pence, um, even after their spat over how Wednesday was handled. Uh, this is a man that's been very loyal to the Constitution and to President Trump. So I appreciate Nancy Pelosi being crazy enough to throw this out there just so we could talk about it, because I love talking about the Constitution. Uh, but it is such an incredible bar. It's, it's beyond reason that we that it would possibly happen. Nancy Pelosi also wants President Trump to have his access to the nuclear codes taken away for the remainder of his presidency. And according to Rick, legally, she has no power to make such a request happen. But Karen, when leaders of our country consistently throw out the Constitution because they're having a public tantrum, it really just makes a mockery of our Constitution. And they certainly have done that. Uh, thanks, Jessica, for that report. You're welcome. Now let's go to Pastor Greg Locke. He was in Washington, D.C. for the Save America rally and present during the Capitol breach. He joins us now to discuss how the nation can begin to heal. Good evening, Pastor Locke. Good evening. Thanks for having me. What, what did you witness in D.C.? I was there about a day and a half early because there were several rallies and revival type meetings that I was speaking and preaching at uh, at Freedom Plaza. And then I was scheduled to be on the platform with the president and I was only a few feet from him. And I knew something was kind of awry when they came out and they asked about about 12 or 15 of us as speakers. 
And, of course, he said, you know, everybody's going to go to the Capitol. It's going to be peaceful. And that's exactly what we did. And I was headed to the Capitol regardless because we had a massive stage set up. We were having a big prayer rally. And by the time we got there, I got up to the front, and it was superbly peaceful. What we're seeing in the news media is something that has been spun wildly out of control. I am fully convinced, based on firsthand information, being there at the steps, it wasn't a breach. It was a let-in. It was an absolute let-in. I believe this was a setup from the word go, and now all the MAGA Trump people you know, look like insurrectionists. And Joe Biden, yesterday, in a briefing, in a newscast called us insurrectionists and domestic terrorists. It came plainly out of his mouth. And so there's more division in the United States now than there has ever been, but I still believe there's hope. And I know people think I'm crazy, but we're not done with this election cycle yet. And I'm a loyalist and I'm not gonna lay down and I'm not gonna roll over. And uh, I'm gonna believe that some good things are gonna come out of this, but right now it's a mess. Yeah, I, I know you are a loyalist and I and I know that you also believe in the power of prayer. and. How do you think our nation can heal from this? It's been a really tough couple of days. It's been a very tough couple of days. I think it's going to take some leaders that do have a platform to come out and say, look, let, let's still fight in this thing and let's still just come together and let's recognize the fact that God's in control and people do need hope. And I think one of the biggest problems is even you know before this whole nonsense at the Capitol is you've got all the hope centers closed. You have 90% of the churches in America closed and we wonder why anxiety and depression is at an all-time high. Our church never closed. We've grown by hundreds of people exponentially because of that. And I think pastors are going to have to lead through this. We're shepherds for a reason. And I think we're going to have to lead and we're going to have to bring people to an understanding that uh, things are going to get better. Weeping endures for a night. The joy comes in the morning. And right now, things look horrible, but I'm not going to give up. America is still a great, wonderful, God-blessed nation. And I believe it's going to stay that way. Yeah, I, I, I hope you're right. What's, what is your biggest fear right now as the Democrats take power? Uh, I think my biggest fear is they're going to begin to take away all of our rights. I think the church in America is going to be the number one target. That's not a conspiracy theory. We've already seen it become a massive target. I mean, pastors, for Pete's sakes, have been going to jail in 2020. And I think we're going to recognize more and more that a great revival, a great move of God is going to come. But I believe it's going to come through the back door of persecution. And we're going to find out who really loves Jesus, who really loves America, and who really loves our freedom. There's a reason that our freedom to worship is the First Amendment, not the 15th Amendment, all right? Because when we lose the first one, all the other ones like a domino begin to topple. And so I, for one, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be courageous. And I want to be like the Black Robe Regiment. You know, those guys stood up and they thundered out against corrupt politics because if we don't call out corrupt politics— we're not going to have a platform from which to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I have hope, but I'm also a very courageous and bold individual. And I think pastors are going to have to stand up, push back against this tyrannical nonsense, and open the churches. Yeah, it sounds like you really believe that a lack of faith is contributing to the demise of our nation right now. Absolutely, 100%. From the pastors, sadly. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Greg Locke, for joining us. I, I really appreciate taking the time. I know you're very busy, and, uh, you know, it's very good to catch up with you, and I'm, I'm glad you were able to give us that report from D.C. I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Thanks so much. Coming up next, we explore what seems to be the never-ending saga of impeachment. More Dr. Gina primetime after this. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. 
It wasn't enough that they've taken the last four years and taken shots at a sitting president every day, all day long. Doing a great disservice to democracy for an agenda that doesn't suit the real people that they work for, the people that they represent, their constituents, America. It seems like nothing has changed and they're still looking at impeachment with only days left in a presidency. Democrats scurrying for a quick impeachment of the president if his cabinet doesn't try to remove him first. And it's no surprise that Nancy Pelosi has jumped in embracing the idea. As she does so well, Dr. Gina is always on point when exploring the motivations of these out-of-control Democrats. Here's Dr. Gina's theory on why the Democrats are pushing impeachment. Left is out for blood. The story over justthenews.com says this. Pelosi says House ready to seek impeachment if Pence doesn't invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump. But why would Nancy do this less than two weeks before Trump leaves office? One theory is that they fear the president and the MAGA movement behind him. And they know it will only get bigger and stronger in upcoming elections. The mainstream media didn't show you, but yesterday in D.C., hundreds of thousands of Trump supporters flocked to Washington, D.C. and stood in the freezing cold just to catch a glimpse of their president. Look at that. The left is outnumbered. They may control the apparatus of power in the mo at the moment in D.C., but they saw how many people are willing to show up for this president in the cold and the rain, and they saw the 74 million real votes that he got in the 2020 election. President Trump is without a doubt the most powerful political figure in the world, and that won't change after the inauguration. The media's been trying to get Trump supporters to abandon him ever since he came down that escalator, remember? But it hasn't worked. His popularity has only grown. This president received 12 million more votes in 2020 than he did four years ago. Just think how many more votes he could get in 2024. And that's what keeps the Democrats awake at night, I can assure you. Impeachment and removal from office would bar him from running again. Some politicians in the swamp are abandoning Trump now, but his supporters, that only deepens their convictions because they see those whom they never trusted anyway exposing themselves. What a sinister but perfect plan that would be to inhibit the president from running again. Seems like Dr. Jean is on to something. Last night, Pelosi and her leadership team ran through their options with the overwhelming sentiment that impeachment was their next step. As no surprise, more than 60 Democrats, led by reps, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Florida, Tom Malinsky of New Jersey, and Dean Phillips of Minnesota, sent a letter to Democratic leaders asking to reconvene and work to impeach Trump in a response to Wednesday's Capitol breach. Today, the House caucus call at noon set the stage with House Democrats led by Nancy Pelosi, who told her members that she would speak to Joe Biden about the pursuit of impeachment, reiterating that her presumptive Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer will demand that the Vice President Mike Pence invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office before Biden's inauguration. And it comes as no surprise to most of us that the president will not be attending the inauguration. The tweet says, to all of those who've asked, I'm not going to the inauguration on January 20th. Real America's Voice contributor Heather Mullins joins us now. Heather, are you surprised that Trump is skipping the inauguration? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I don't think he should really pay any attention to these people anymore. 
Uh, you know, speaking of impeachment, let's get one started for Joe Biden as soon as the 20th comes around. I'd love to see some Republican start one the way that they did Trump uh, back when he first got elected. So, you know, I really hope that the truth comes out and it will, right? These investigations are still going on. There's a lawsuit here in Georgia that is going to determine whether or not Fulton County mail-in ballots get audited. And we know that they're trying to keep us from them. So they wouldn't be doing that if there wasn't something to hide. So all of this information is going to come out and there's still gonna be investigations. And when we get to the bottom of it, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing the Georgia Bureau of Investigation making some arrests here in the near future. Well, you know, it's very optimistic to think that Joe Biden would be impeached. I'm sure a lot of Republicans right now today uh, like you saying that. But do you think the impeachment talk against the president is real? It seems so petty to pursue a impeachment with less than two weeks before the inauguration. Well, I mean, if petty in the dictionary had a picture next to it, it would be Nancy Pelosi. Let's be honest, okay? And President Trump has, let's let's look at the facts. He's kept us out of war for four years. He's won three or four Nobel Peace Prize nominations for his brokering peace deals in the Middle East. So if anyone's responsible for the chaos that has been happening on American soil, it's the Democrats like Nancy Pelosi and it's the mainstream media for pushing these fake narratives. The president has done so much good, not just for our country, but for the world, for the Middle East. I mean, think about the relationship with North Korea that improved under his leadership. This guy has done so much and they're talking about impeaching him less than 10 days before he agreed to do a peaceful transition. They're not doing that you know, for no reason. There is a reason. They are scared. They're afraid of what could potentially surface because they know these investigations are still going on. And they're probably terrified that within the next 10 days, somehow Trump could pull something out of his pocket because you can never rule Trump out. And you know what? After the, the 20th, he's still going to be here. His This is a movement. This is not an election. Yeah, and if they're even successful with this impeachment attempt, you know, would can it even be successful with such a tight timeline right now? I mean, you know what, anything's possible at this point, but what, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past the Democrats. I don't know that they'd have the numbers, and I'd be surprised if, if Mike Pence would, would do that, right? Like, I mean, he's been loyal to the president up until up until this point, right? And the only thing he was saying was he didn't believe that he had the constitutional authority to do what Trump's legal team thinks he did have the authority to do. So if he were to go further and actually like try to remove President Trump, I think that would hurt Pence's fan base a lot more than it already has. I mean, what's he gonna do? Like he, oh, I can't even imagine that happening. Yeah, yeah. I, and and what is what's your take right now on the inauguration and what the crowds will be like? You know, are they going to blame social distancing and COVID for a lack of turnout for this this inauguration of Biden? I mean, I I don't know. I I would recommend any Trump supporters refrain from showing up because if you do, we know Antifa, right? They're you can't put anything past them. We've seen the videos surfacing now of them undercover at the the recent event in dc and we know that would happen again so my recommendation is just trump supporters conservatives stay as far away from the inaugura inauguration as possible 
Yeah, I can't imagine that there'll be very many Trump supporters that would even dream of going to this inauguration now that the president's not going to be there. And, you know, he's put out this tweet that, you know, he's not going. I can't imagine that there'll be a lot of people on our side of the aisle that I'll even consider showing up. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the reason that the president decided not to show up, right? He's trying to protect his fan base because he knows even if they showed up there to peacefully protest the inauguration, if you have these groups that come in and try to, you know, take over your peaceful protest, then it's going to fall back on you and we can count on the media to blame it on Trump supporters. So it's just one of those things. It's a sticky situation. Best not to go. And I totally support the president's decision in that matter. Yeah. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you. Coming up, coming up, conservative censorship is no longer a big tech secret, with Twitter openly banning the president this week. Mark Zuckerberg, of course, followed with an even more brazen action to silence free speech, canceling the president's service until at least the end of his term. Up next, we have Facebook whistleblower Ryan Hartwig, who knows the inside scoop at the, at, in this big tech behemoth. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Gina Primetime. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Big tech is big brother as social media censorship reaches a whole new high. What was once a highly shrouded secret is now out in the open as Twitter bans the president and Facebook shuts him off on the platform indefinitely. Dr. Gina and John Solomon discussed the topic last night. Let's listen in. John, I also want to ask you about a story you had today at justthenews.com about Facebook. The headline reads like this. Zuckerberg says Facebook may block Trump indefinitely. Uh, John, we are in unprecedented territory with social media censorship here, are we not? Yes, we are. Uh, we have wealthy billionaires that control large parts of our technological infrastructure able to decide what opinions get heard and what opinions get silenced. And that is not what our founding fathers intended. And the Zuckerbergs and the Twitters and the uh, those and the Googles and the YouTubes that censor information uh, with a clear political point of view in mind uh, are doing this nation a great disservice while they use our communications infrastructure that crosses our public lines and our public streets, uh, our public airwaves. Um, there is going to be a moment of reckoning for these companies and the rise of such companies as CloudHub and, and uh, Parler and uh, Rumble are evidence that people are frustrated. They're not going to take it anymore and they're going to take their business and their free speech somewhere else. And I think that will be the big story of 2021, the revolution of Americans against the Facebooks and Twitters they loved, but for which they're now very frustrated by. 
All right, John, there's also a story at Just the News about Twitter locking down the president's account, of course, for 12 hours. Uh, they may shut yeah. him out of there for good. I predicted this for a long time that right after, you, have. Uh, you know, yeah, I have for a long time. I really you thought did. that yeah. just as soon. I think they will use him as long as they feel they could bilk money from him uh, by getting more and more followers on Twitter through the Christmas season and through the election season. And then I felt like they would um, block him because they wouldn't want his MAGA movement to be able to continue to the degree that they can block it. Um, but what are you hearing? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Twitter will have to make a business decision. And uh, if they make the wrong decision, 70, 80 million of their engaged users may move elsewhere. Uh, there's a lot of posturing going on. There's a lot of um, political movement stuff going on today that really isn't about yesterday or the next 12 days, but really about can we put Donald Trump in a box after he leaves the White House the answer is you won't be able to because he'll assemble the same audience on some other platform. And I think Twitter and Facebook will step back and have to make a business decision. Today, I can't tell you thousands of people on my Twitter feed, on my Facebook feed, and my email have been saying, I'm done with Twitter. I'm done with Facebook. I used to love it. I can't stand it. And they're going to places like CloudHub and they're going to places like Rumble. And, uh, you know, that's good. Competition has always been the greatest, best panacea in America for silliness, for uh, monopolization of the American economy. And I think 2021, there'll be a revolt against these uh, companies that we used to love, right? Everyone loved YouTube. Everyone loved Twitter. Everybody loved Facebook until they started picking winners and losers and silencing our voices. Well, before Facebook went after President Trump with this latest ban, there was plenty of evidence that supported the claims that they were censoring conservative voices. Ryan Hartwig was a whistleblower that came forward in 2019 after working with Cognizant for their Facebook project in 2018 as a bilingual content moderator, he noticed example after example that censorship was very, very real. He was so disturbed by what he saw as he began to write letters to members of the Congress and Senate. He then connected with Project Veritas and made history as he donned a hidden camera to document the patterns of bias. Watch this. Facebook favors the left. They do, 100%. We work with a lot of liberals. Yeah. I'll go in there yeah. with a MAGA shirt or a MAGA hat, I'd get my ass beat. So I saw some discrepancies. I saw some, some evidence of bias. You're saying because he's a white male. Oh, it's, it's easier when they're white men. Okay. No one has the white men's back anymore. <laughs> we, we, we bring the game to it could work on the left side. I saw more blatant posts against Trump. But Facebook obviously hates Trump. Yes, they, yes, 100%. They, they, they do. I saw an alarming number of posts that really focused on conservatives, uh, kind of a double standard. So I've spent quite a bit of time looking at pictures of hate organizations, Hitler, Nazis, MAGA, mm -hmm. you know, Proud Boys, all that stuff all day long. Facebook whistleblower Ryan Hartwig joins us now. Ryan, great to have you. You were on the inside. What was the first thing that you saw that really impacted you to blow the whistle here? Yeah, so uh, when I started in March of 2018, I noticed some things from the very beginning. And what, that, that summer, uh, it was Pride Month, Gay Pride Month, and Facebook said, basically said it's okay to attack straight white males and call them filth for not supporting LGBT. For, so for a company that's really concerned about hate speech and you know not hurting anyone's feelings or protecting people online, they clearly made an exception and allowed attacks on straight white males.
Wow. So that, well, Project yeah. Veritas jumped in. You, you know, you had written letters to House reps and senators, and none of those representatives responded. And, and then you connected with Project Veritas. Are those representatives paying attention now? I mean, I think they are paying attention now. I wish they would have addressed these issues with big tech a lot earlier. Uh, you know, we we at one point we controlled the House and the Senate, and uh, you know now it's a pop, more popular topic and there's it's more pressing. Um, there are people like Ted Cruz who have always been involved and concerned, and Josh Hawley as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think maybe now it's a little bit too too little too late because now we see that Facebook is very emboldened and Twitter is very emboldened. Just today, today there was another purge of of many uh, Twitter accounts. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, Congress and the Senate can work together and realize, even people on the left are realizing um, that uh, Facebook has too much power. Yeah, I, they're not even hiding it anymore. They're out in the open saying, we're gonna, we're gonna censor you, we're gonna ban you. You know, this is, this is kind of a scary position to be in. Were you afraid for your safety when you went undercover the way that you did? Uh, it was very nerve-wracking, so I, I filmed with a hidden camera for about nine months, and I was never discovered, but it was very ner I was very nervous, and my wife was very concerned about, uh, you know, me, you know, firstly losing my job, and then also, yeah, there is, that, there is a concern about physical safety because Facebook is a very powerful company, and, uh, you know, I've, I have caused damage to their, to their brand, their reputation. We actually, um, together with Congressman Matt Gates. Uh, there was a criminal referral submitted to the Department of Justice for Mark Zuckerberg. So, I mean, this is, it wasn't just a civil penalty. This was a criminal referral to the DOJ. You know, has, has exposing this bias, has it, has it affected you negatively at all, personally? Uh, I mean, there have been some, some threats from coworkers and attacks on me from people on the left. Um, so yeah, it has affected me and it has affected my, my possible, my opportunities to find a, a, another job. And so, um, yeah, it has been a challenge for me. You know, when, when you were on the inside, I want you to elaborate a little bit on this. When you were on the inside, you know, you were, you were witnessing these things firsthand and we saw some of those clips that we played coming into this segment. You know, these were these were your coworkers. Are a lot of them now very angry with you for what what you did? Yes, many of them are very angry with me. They reached out to me on Facebook and, and direct messaged me and texted me uh, really hateful things. Uh, one of my coworkers, Cassie, in another part of the video, she's on. I have her on camera talking about how she wants to assassinate Donald Trump, and um, so she received she she received some some threats on social media. So people were angry about that, but you know, if you're at work and you're talking about killing the president, um, you can expect some blowback. Um, but yeah, I personally have received some, some, you know, some threats, some hate from my coworkers. But now, hopefully, you know, with with what we saw today, with them, you know, banning Trump's account and, and you know, deleting his account indefinitely on Facebook and Instagram. Maybe these people on the left, even today, I think Emily Ratajkowski, a, a celebrity and model, she acknowledged that Facebook and big tech have a lot of influence that they could use the same influence to silence people on the left, activists on the left. So I think people are waking up. Hopefully they're realizing the threat and the tyranny, um, the tech tyranny that's coming from big tech. Do you think that there's a way to control this, to regulate this? 
Um, no, I think we should just like start from the ground up, like break up uh, Facebook and uh, big tech. Hopefully, there's. I think one way to do that would be with antitrust. Um, there's also a Supreme Court case that's about to be heard by Jason Fick. So uh, it's really hard to regulate because Facebook has its lobbyists, big tech has its lobbyists in in the Capitol as well. So if there's any kind of refer, reform or legislative uh, reform done, we know that Facebook's gonna have a lot, a lot of input and we do not want them to have input if there's any changes to the law. So I think starting from scratch, breaking up these companies would be the right step. Do you think that there's really a clear anti-American agenda when it comes to these big tech giants? Yeah, there is a clear agenda against uh, you know conservatives and against against the United States because um, you, we've seen that Trump put put America first, prioritized American jobs, American you know energy production, and everything that I saw for two years. Like I studied the Facebook's policy language, I studied uh, every you know a lot of Facebook's inner workings, and everything is against Trump. Every time Trump speaks, they consider it as hate speech, and so I have. You know, countless examples of that, of them being against um, American priorities and caving to leftist ideologies, which would weaken America. Wow. Well, thanks for being here, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. You can, I'll be publishing a book in a couple months here, which has more examples of, of this bias. And you can also visit thanks my website, so uh, RyanHartwick.org. We're, we're out of time, Ryan. Thank you so much. Up next, we'll bring you the latest from Portland, where, where riots broke out again last night, while the nation is still reeling from the breach of the Capitol. Back with more Dr. Gina Primetime in just a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. This week, we've all been so focused on the tragedy in Washington, D.C., that attention really hasn't been focused on a city gone mad. Portland, Oregon has been plagued with violence and riots throughout 2020. The anarchists taking aim at police and the violence hit an all-time high last week and continued last night with another downtown riot that left a trail of destruction in the already decimated city. Here to discuss is Real America's Voice contributor, Tom Borelli. Tom, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you tonight. Yeah, Tom, let's look back at what Kamala Harris had to say about the riots that happened in Portland and across America this summer. I know that there are protests still happening in yes. major cities across the United States. I'm just not seeing the reporting on it that I, that right, I had that's right. for the first few weeks. That's um, right. But they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's, they're not, this is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop. And, and everyone beware because they're not going to stop it is going they're not going to stop before election day in november and they're not going to stop after election day and that should be everyone should take note of that on both levels that this isn't they're not going to let up and they should not and we should not 
So, Tom, if President Trump is to blame for the D.C. Capitol breach, then shouldn't Kamala be blamed for all the death and destruction over the summer and in Portland, Oregon last night? Well, really what you're pointing out is really the two worlds, unfortunately, in which we live in. If you're a Democrat, somebody like uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, you can encourage activism, you can encourage protests and even rioters, and that's great. You can just get away with that. And if you're President Trump, you can't say anything. And this is the problem that we're going to be facing as we go forward, because at the end of the day, the big problem is really the media, the corporate media, the anti-Trump media. They're able, to, really able to twist the news and put it in a direction that doesn't lead to Americans really being educated what's going on. And don't forget that you know Kamala Harris, when the riots were in Minneapolis uh, over this, I think in May, you know she put money in or encouraged people to put money in to bail out the people who were arrested. So Kamala Harris is part of the problem. She's actually part of the violence, and yet President Trump gets blamed for everything because a group of a group of rallied people went off and and went out and rioted in in the Capitol, which was clearly wrong. But we also know that there was uh, black uh, there was uh, Antifa activists there as well. So the whole thing is a really muddled picture. But the American people are aren't getting the full information in, in its context, and that's what we're missing. Tom, do you think the average, you know, average Americans, do you, do you think they're catching on to this double standard, or are these Democrats really fooling anyone? Well, I think really one of the big crises we're facing is that, as I mentioned, there's two worlds, but there's, you know, two groups of media, right? We have, you know, Real America's Voice and a few others out there speaking the truth. But if you sat down every day and if you watch CNN or MSNBC, you're really being absorbed and overcome with just basic propaganda. So I think people tend to believe what they see and what they read, and it puts them in the wrong track. And if you happen to watch you know, our news organizations or, or a few others, you start to get the real information. And that's the problem. Way too many people are exposed to the wrong media. You know, a lot of people aren't really, in, every day isn't really absorbed with politics and, and policy and what's going on. They're working, trying to take care of their family. So they might catch a headline, they might catch one news story, and that could be very misleading, especially these days. Well, and it seems like they just have these stories on repeat again and again and again to capture that moment that they're going to get that person who's busy turning on their TV. And it is. It's propaganda at this point. They just recycle it and recycle it. Do you, do you think there's any hope for the mainstream media at this point, or is this a totally lost cause? Well, it, it, I, it's, uh, <laughs> it may be a lost cause, at least this year. Uh, but the good news is, you know, have networks like our network, Real America's Voice, that's trying to really try to bring people in and grow and expand so they can get the truth. But the problem is we're facing is just like the, the problem that President Trump faced in the election is that he's facing not only corporate media, big anti-Trump media, as well as the American people, but also big tech. The, Thousands of people are, are, are being removed from Twitter. I mean, their followers are being removed. Uh, President Trump was banned from Facebook and banned from Twitter. So the muscle of big media and big Silicon Valley, they're really pushing their real agenda, which makes it harder 
for Americans to get the truth. So I think in the near term, it's going to get, uh, actually, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Great points. Thanks so much, Tom Borelli. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. As we close the show in a really rough week, we must remain hopeful that our nation can heal. We must unite against violence on both sides of the aisle. Our hearts go out to those injured and killed in these violent acts in Washington, D.C. And this week, we have an opportunity now to greet 2021 with optimism. And it remains my hope that somehow we can still find a way to do that as we approach an inauguration that makes so many of us uncomfortable. That's all for tonight. Thanks for joining me. And thank you to everyone at your new home for real news, the uncensored and undaunted Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B, up next, as Dr. Gina always says as she closes this show, hug your children, love your God, and go boldly now and live the truth.